Welcome to the Columbia View Wesleyan Church Podcast, where you can catch all of our teaching and preaching right here. If you'd like to get more connected here at Columbia View Wesleyan Church, please check out our website at www.columbiaview.org. First Timothy 2 verse 8 just launched out at me this week. There's one verse there, but then I'm going to jump around, and it says, I want men everywhere, talking about women here too, people everywhere, to lift up holy hands in prayer without anger or disputing. When I first read that, I want to say, what? Why would he say without anger or disputing. Why not just say, holy men, raise up holy hands in prayer? I want to go into that a little bit today. Also, I am hesitant to ever, ever, ever preach about something that's going on in the church. I usually preach series. Those of you who know me well know that you kind of lay it out ahead of time because pastors can, I think, make a huge mistake and preach at people instead of preaching the Word. And I've worked hard since I was 16 years old to never do that. But part of the burden on my heart this week and knowing what to preach is some folks that I've been talking to for the last month and all different folks, not only in the church but outside the church that are beat up. As Patty talked about, and it matches perfectly here, get ready because you can't drink grapes. So there's something that happens to us as we follow God, and part of it's a a purifying through fire, a a mashing of the grapes to get the juice. Uh, You can go on and on throughout Scripture for illustrations, but sometimes in the church we get beat up. Amen? Amen? And sometimes we get beat up by other brothers and sisters in the church. And sometimes the other brothers and sisters that are beating us up in the church don't even know they're beating us up in the church. That's why we have to have forbearance. That means I'm going to forgive you. I know you're going to hurt me. I know that's who you are. And I love you. And I'm going to love you anyhow. And I know ahead of time this is going to hurt That's called forbearance. Ahead of time, I choose to bear with you because you're my brother. Isn't that cool? That's a cool concept, isn't it? That's not forgiveness. Forgiveness is when they hurt me on purpose. i got to forgive them. Forbearance is when they love me, but they're hurting me, and I'm still going to love them. Does that make sense? And so what happens is I believe, and I've never been in a city before in my life until July of 2015, when God said, Don Blaine, welcome to Portland, Oregon. I've always lived in remote and rural little places. And so I am beginning to learn that people, I've always known that people are different. I don't mean like you're weird different. I mean like, really, we're all different. And that that bothers us when other people are different than us, because we're all right. Except Dan's different and he's right, and I'm different and I'm right, and Lyle's different and he's right, and um, David's really different, and he's right sometimes. You hear what I'm saying? 
And I'm, I'm alluding to some things, but I want us to consider the fact that we are not to be defeated because we're different. We're to be united because we're different. You hear me? I'm just going to use some illustrations, and I'm not trying to talk about anyone. In fact, I went to a couple people and said, I'm going to mention this. They said, it's okay. So I'm not talking about individuals. I just want to share some things that represent our differences in this little body. And I submit to you that we are one in Christ with differences. I'm going to be really real. There are some of us who've been very conscious of our every word and decision. And since we were a child and been very careful to be right and just. And you're sitting beside an ex-con. Some of us have never had as much as a parking ticket, let alone a speeding ticket, God help me. And some of you have felony records that will haunt you the rest of your days. Amen. And we're here together. How crazy is that? Why would we be here together except for Jesus? Except for grace? Some of us have controlled our thoughts since young and brought them under control and learned the spiritual concept of of controlling our mind and our thoughts and some of us lives have been destroyed by lust. Some of us could go out tomorrow morning and run a respectable half marathon, David. And others... If I asked you to walk quickly as you can around this room twice, would really struggle with that. Amen? We have several preachers here today. And as I get up here and boldly proclaim the truth, you're saying, preach it. In fact, get away from there and let me preach it. And there are others that are saying, dear God, help me never ever have to get up in front of people. We have Greek scholars here that put me to shame. I got a Bachelor of Science in theology when I became a pastor, and the reason was I knew I couldn't pass Greek for my Bachelor of Arts. And there are those here who hardly ever read the Bible. You don't even know what it says. There are those who are poor and live on disabilities, and there are those who are wealthy enough to never have to work again. What brings us together? Jesus. There are young, working, hard, young people who struggle every day and come home exhausted to drop into bed at night and they're not sure this month if they can pay the rent. 
And there are older people whose house is paid for and cars paid for, and they're not sure if they can get through this latest doctor's report. And we're here together. Very different. But we are one. There are those here, as Kim shared yesterday or last week, about being pushed hard by many of her people to have abortions when her babies were coming. She would not. And she received help from people who loved her and helped her have her babies who are wonderful men now. She shared that testimony last Sunday on video. And we cried as we heard that. Some of you who were crying have had abortions. Your life has been broken by that. You want to know why I don't get up here and stomp and shout and scream against abortion? Because I know so many amazing ladies whose hearts are broken every day because of the abortions they had. We're very different. But we are one. There are mechanics here that can fix anything. I'm not going to point them out because four of you are going to call them. And there are those of us who need help changing the light bulb. There are those who give the shirt off their back. David was harassing me about my sweater. I was wearing it in the video. I wore it to preach last Sunday, and I wore it to preach today. No, I haven't taken it off since then. I've been wearing it ever since then. Those, those who would, where did I go with that? There are those who would give the shirt off their back, and there are thieves. There are people who are full of grace and forgiveness, and there are those who have been controlled by hate and hurt and fury and fear. And we're here together in this place to worship one God. There are those with permanent criminal records that haunt you when you try to get a job. And there's those who've never had a parking ticket, let alone a speeding ticket. And I'm not even going to tell you about some of my tickets. There are alcoholics and addicts who have done unspeakable things for their next fix. Sitting here today. And there are those like me, not bragging, just telling you I'm different, who've never tasted alcohol. I worked hard at that. And I dearly love the brothers whose lives have been destroyed by it. There are brothers and sisters whose lives have been destroyed by sexual sin and folks who've worked hard to always do the right thing with their bodies. There are those in our midst who are studying to become doctors and those who cannot read. We could argue vehemently and draw a line down the aisle about walls or no walls about 
sanctuary states and cities versus strict borderline laws about music, about holidays, about cars. I refuse to argue about motorcycles. If you have a Harley, I'm sorry. About politics, about Kavanaugh versus um, the ladies that have accused him. We could get into huge debates, and as we switch debates, you'd have to switch sides of the aisle, and pretty soon we wouldn't know which side we were on. And those things could destroy us. Or we could remember that we're here to worship Jesus. Are we different? Yeah, I, I hope so. Or we should close the door. Are we alike? Yes, very much. It's easy for the enemy to attack us, for me to say, wow, I, I'm, not, I'm worthless because I'm not as good as. If I want to use my pride and my ability, there are men in this room that I would look to and say, I could never pastor or be a good dad or be a good grandpa because I'm not a tenth of the man as that gentleman is right there. And with the same pride, I could look at somebody else and say, you're never going to be a man. You're not a tenth of the man that I am. Pride is foolish, stupid, and divisive. It's got nothing to do with what I've done or who I am or what I haven't done or who I am not. It has nothing to do with what I can or can't do. It has to do with Jesus and what he is doing today. Amen? And so, we must stand against an enemy who would divide and conquer. And so what I want to talk about today is bearing one another's burdens. Right? If I've never tasted alcohol... I really don't understand the addict. Literally, I know the answer to alcohol addiction. None of you will argue with me. It's simple. Don't drink. Right? Go sit down beside somebody on the curb whose life is destroyed by alcohol and try to talk him through that decision. It's not that easy am I willing as someone who's never tasted it to bear his burden we're so different but yet we're one because of who Jesus is So I want to share several passages with you and concepts about bearing one another's burden today. First of all, it comes from 1 Timothy chapter 2. I already read verse 8, but I'm going to read verse 1 through 8. I urge then, first of all, that requests, prayers, intercession, and thanksgiving be made for everyone. Does that sound like bear one another's burdens? For kings and all those in authority, wow, if I'm with the king, I need to pray with him. If I'm against the king, got to pray for him. 
that we may live peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness. That we might be one with God. This is good and pleases God our Savior who wants all men to be saved and come to a knowledge of the truth. It's about us being one in Him. For there is one God, one mediator between God and man, the man Jesus Christ, who gave himself as a ransom for all men, the testimony given in its proper time. And for this purpose, I was appointed a herald and apostle. I am telling the truth. I am not lying. A teacher of the truth, true faith to the Gentiles. I want men everywhere to lift up holy hands in prayer without anger or dispute. Bear one another's burdens. Here's the cool part. I went through that list of differences and some of you are like, what? There's somebody like that in here? Yep. Grace. People that are really different sitting alongside of other people that are really different because we are one. In Jesus. Amen. So what's your picture of bearing one another's burdens? What's your picture of coming alongside of someone, of standing in their place before God? That's what it means, intercessing. That means I know, if I can use some kind of harsh language, I know this guy's a total jerk. His sin repulses me. I know his sin. I know all about it. And I hate everything about what he's done. It makes me angry. And I'm willing to say, would you step aside and let me stand before you and God? And so I can beg for his forgiveness for you. Would you step aside so I can stand between you and God just in my heart and and ask God to heal you. You see, my human side says, I think God should destroy you. And Paul says, let holy men lift up their hands in intercessory prayer without anger or malice. Let us step in front of them before God and say, oh God, bring healing God, bring forgiveness. God, bring them to be my brother, to pray for their deliverance, to pray for them. When are you praying for people like that? Are you? Timothy's written about all kinds of garbage that was going on in the church, and they were having arguments, and I was going to try to get into all that, and it'd take me about a year to really preach the book of Timothy. But Paul wraps it all up and says, are you praying for those people? Without anger, without malice. And so I have to get this perspective that says, what's my part in this process? If I'm sitting by someone who detests, who I detest, maybe they detest me, what's my part in this process? Is it anger, is it malice, or is it for me to, to get on my knees before a holy God and beg Him for their healing and for their forgiveness? How regular do I do that? Now listen, I don't think we need to be trained in this. There's lots of things you can train. 
<laughs> Dan's shaking his head. You know exactly what I'm talking about, don't you? We don't need to be trained to pray. You know what we got to do? We got to pray. The youngest believer who doesn't have a clue what's going on can pray. And you know how they're going to become a better prayer? Pray. Aurora's learning to talk. And she's got a few words. I have no idea what they are, but mom and dad do. I had a twin brother. They were going to split us up going to kindergarten because we had our own language. We talked 100 miles an hour. We both knew what the other one was saying, but nobody else had a clue. People would say to my mom, Mom, do you know what they're saying? She'd be like, no. They were going to split us up, but we lived in a town of 600 people. There weren't two kindergartens, so we had to go to the same kindergarten. My wife's a kindergarten teacher. Can you imagine that poor lady? That was hard on her. I'm realizing that we were kind of hard on some people, my twin brother and I. But we could talk to each other. Made sense to us. If you don't know all the right words, you can talk to God and it's going to make sense to Him. And the only way to learn how to pray is pray. Pray simply means, if you want to just break it down, it means talk. They used to say, I pray that you would do this for me. It wasn't a God thing. It was a request to someone. That's what it means to talk to him. And so Paul says, I want many everywhere to lift up holy hands in talking to God. Without anger, without disputing, without pointing out our differences. Dear God, help this to grow, this church to grow and help people come to Jesus. And please don't bring us any more addicts. We don't like them here. What? But you know what happens when addicts come to Jesus? They're messed up. And they need some people to get between them and God and say, Dear God, heal this guy. Heal his mind. Put brain cells back where they've been destroyed. I don't know what that means. I just know that we're supposed to pray for them without anger and without malice. John chapter 14, I'm going to do several. There's three words I want you to listen to. Anyone, whatever, and anything. Now, when God says whatever, it doesn't mean what it does today. When a kid looks, their mom goes, whatever. There's three words, anyone, whatever, and anything. I want to read this. I want you to listen. For those words, I'll emphasize them. Philip said, Lord, show us the Father, and that will be enough for us. Um, John 14, 8, and verse 9 says, Jesus answered, Don't you know me, Philip? Even after I have been among you such a long time, anyone who's seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Don't you believe that I am in the Father and that the Father is in me? The words I say to you are not just my own. Rather, it's the Father living in me who is doing this work, His work. Believe me when I say that I am in the Father and the Father's in me, or at least believe on the evidence of the miracles themselves. Okay, there's this discussion. Are you really God? Jesus said, yes, I am. And then he said, I tell the truth. Anyone, there's the word, different people, doesn't matter. 
Anyone who has faith in me will do what I've been doing. No way. They're not going to let any Republicans do what God's been doing, are they? No, they're not going to let any independents. It must all just be the Democrats or vice versa. What? Jesus said anyone who has faith in me will do what I have been doing. He will not, he will do even greater things than these because I'm going to the Father and I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Son of God may bring glory to the Father. You may ask me for anything in my name and I'll do it. This is a horribly misquoted scripture. I don't think he's saying, I got a wore-out motorcycle, it's a Honda, and I need a new Harley. God, he said anything. I think what he meant was, I have a brother that sleeps on the street. His life's being destroyed by substances. Dear God, dear God, you got to help me reach out to him. There's a difference between those two prayers. One of them, you're guaranteed he'll say yes. Amen? I don't know when it gets really quiet, if there's no more amens or if it really does can't mean one. Mark, I do know, I'm sorry. Mark 9, 23, Jesus tells us that everything's as possible. Let me read this. I'm starting with Mark 9, 17. A man in the crowd answered, Teacher, I brought you my son who's possessed by spirit and has robbed him of speech. Whenever it seizes him, it throws him on the ground. He foams at the mouth, gnashes teeth, and becomes rigid. I asked your disciples to drive out the spirit, but they could not. Oh, unbelieving generation, Jesus replied, How long shall I stay with you? How long shall I put up with you? Bring the boy to me. So they brought him. When the spirit saw Jesus, it immediately threw the boy into a convulsion. He fell on the ground and rolled around, foaming at the mouth. Jesus asked the, father, the boy's father, How long has he been like this? From childhood, the father said. If he had, it has often thrown him into the fire or water to kill him. But if you can do anything, take pity on us and help us. Jesus said, if I can? He's like, um, excuse me. You mean if I can? Of course I can. Well, let me read that. Everything is possible for him who believes. Immediately, the father's, the boy's father, I keep trying to say father's boy, the boy's father exclaimed, I do believe. Help me overcome my unbelief. When the, Jesus saw the crowd was running to the scene, he rebuked the evil spirit. You deaf and mute spirit, he said, I command you, come out of him and never enter him again. The spirit shrieked, convulsed him violently, and came out. The boy looks so much like a corpse that many said he's dead. Isn't that amazing? If you can do it, what do you mean if I can do it? If you believe, I can do it. There's always somebody, yeah, okay, so the Spirit's out, and now you killed him. There's always somebody. 
that refuses to believe. Jesus took him by the hand, lifted him to his feet, and he stood up. Praying for, beseeching the Father for. Again, this this guy didn't even use the right words. He's like, I don't think he insulted Jesus. But he said, if you can do something, it was his words, it was his heart, it was his cry. He said, yeah, I can do this. Who are we praying for? This was a man who stood between his son and God Almighty, and he says, you got to do something. Men who lift holy hands in prayer without malice or anger. James 5 says you pray and they'll be healed. Amazing promise. It's got some stipulations. Is any one of you in trouble? Well, none of us have ever been in trouble, right? He should pray. Is any one of you happy? Let him sing songs of praise. Any one of you sick, he should call the elders of the church to pray over him and anoint him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the pray, uh, prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will rise him up. If he's sinned, he will be forgiven. We like to leave that out of there, especially in our culture today. People so many times have asked me to come pray for them, and I start off by saying, is there any sin we need to confess? I've had people offended by that. It's like Jesus said uh, forgiveness and sin and healing are in the, the, the same issue for him. In fact, forgiveness of sin is bigger than healing. He'd rather have me in heaven without my finger than in hell with it. I've shared this many times. I believe God could put my finger back on. I'm the guy that cut it off 25, 30 years ago. It's my fault, but he can put it back. Right now as I speak, it could appear. I believe that. I also believe that he's chosen not to. Do you know how I know? It's been 30 years. And he'd rather have me running around talking about a finger missing and believing him with all my heart for everything I need than running around with a full hand sinning and headed for hell and taking other people with me. I know that. I know that. He's taught me that through his word. And so we repent. And then it said, um, Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous man is powerful and effective. Let's go back to 1 Timothy 2. I beseech you, holy men, lift hands in prayer without malice or anger. And now he says in James, righteous men pray in power and effectiveness. Love the King James here. The effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Wow. Powerful prayer. Jesus told Peter, I'm going to close with this. 
Our disciples were talking about who's going to be first, who's going to be last. Let's think about this group of 12 people. Who's the most important in the church? Well, this tax collector guy is probably the most important. He has got uh, connections in the government with the Romans and the Jews. He's got money, probably. And uh, he's probably the most important one. He should lead us because he's got ways to take us the right. There's going to be a new kingdom on earth, and he's probably the right guy. He's got all this government experience. I think Jesus didn't have people that were really different. And whenever Matthew was talking about stuff like that, Peter's over here with his hand in his cloak, toy in his dagger, because he's part of the zealots. And it was their goal at the drop of a hat to start killing Romans, and he was armed and ready to do it. Those guys were both in the same group of 12 at Bible studies. In fact, one of the people that Peter had sworn in privacy and in secrecy to kill would have been Matthew. He was an agent of the Roman government. Now they're in Bible study. <laughs> That's kind of cool. And now they're talking about who's going to be the greatest. And Jesus said, the oldest be the youngest, the greatest be. And then he says to them, verse 31, Luke 22, Simon, Simon, Satan has asked to sift you like wheat. crush you like a grape. But I have prayed for you, Simon, that your faith may not fall. And when you have turned back, whoa, when you turn back, he's going to go down. But when you get up, strengthen your brothers. Here's my point. This might be a little different way than you ever heard this before. But those disciples all heard Jesus tell Peter, you're going down, and I've been praying for you. I don't know the answer to this question, but I submit to you, how many of them heard Jesus say uh, between the lines, and I want you to pray for him too, because he's going to get sifted. And then he says, before the cock crows, you're going to deny me three times. And it goes on, and I believe we know that story. If you don't, you can read on. And, and by morning, the next morning, Peter had denied Jesus three times. And the cock crowed. Jesus and Peter's eye met. We know the story. And Jesus knew, or Peter knew by morning, he had fallen hard. How many of those disciples, we don't know the setting, but how many of those disciples were earnestly praying that Peter would come back from that fall? That's the Father's will. Jesus said it. I'm praying for you. You're going to get trashed.
Samuel chapter 12, I'm not going to read it, but the people wanted a king, and God had set the kingdom, the, the Israelites up so they'd be uh, led by, by prophets. He didn't, God didn't want them to have a king. It's an interesting study if that's a new concept to you, but they demanded a king like all the other countries. God gave them a king, and then Samuel told the people, this, this is wrong. You have sinned. And the people are repenting and they don't know what to do and they, now they have a king and they know God didn't want them to have a king and the people are broken before God. Samuel told him to repent, but one of his lines he said in 1 Samuel 12, verse 23, in this conversation, he says, As for me, far be it from me that I should sin against the Lord by failing to pray for you. And I will teach you the way that is good and right. Wow. Wow. This was like the ultimate, Samuel's ultimate chance to say, I told you guys, I told you not to do this. Now God is really mad. He told him that. And then he said, I'm going to be the last guy to hold this against you. Far be it from me to sin by not praying for you. So what do we do? I'm going to offer you some tips and ask God to speak to your heart. I believe that he's spoken to us this morning. Look around. You are really different. We are one. And God is our God. He has asked us in many ways to bear one another's burdens. Lift up holy hands. Pray for each other without anger and without malice. Stand between God and my brother whose life is still broken and say, dear God, dear God, hear me. Heal my brother. Forgive my brother. You know what's cool about this? I've been doing this a while, and I believe God's speaking to our hearts. I don't think he's just speaking to our hearts. I think some of us are seeing faces. And it's time to pray. Not just pray here for 10 minutes or however long not to come here on another time and pray it's time for us to really pray and I'm not going to teach you how to do that I think between you and God you can get it done you got to learn a baby has to learn to walk, and the only way they can learn to walk is walk. Now, this is cool. This is just logistics, but we have four boys. And the first one takes a long time to learn to walk. Second one, not so long. Fourth one, he's got like three big brothers, and he is going to walk. You know, he's born, and the next day he's like, Mama, how can I walk? He wants to keep up. 
Our neighbors have a little boy and a little girl. Little boy just got his first little, it's not a Strider bike, but it's the same thing. No pedals, those little bikes, little kids can run around with no pedals, scoot themselves around. Little sister's been on a tricycle and she doesn't even know how to pedal it. She's tiny. Little brother got this little Strider bike and he's learning how and he's like four and she's like two. And he's trying to figure out how to use a Strider bike. He's being real careful. And yesterday I noticed they got another little miniature little Strider bike for little sister. And she's over there just going 100 miles an hour away. Because big brother's doing it, I'm doing it. First boy we potty trained was hard work. Second boy wasn't quite as hard. Third boy, my mother did it while Patty and I were gone on a trip. Came home, he's potty trained. That's cool. Number four come along, and we're like, how are we going to do this? And one day he walked up to Patty and he said, Mom, I want to wear big boy pants like Andrew. That meant like cartoon underwear, right? Patty said, yeah, I got to quit going poop in your diaper. Okay. We're having this conversation with this little boy. You got to quit peeing in your diaper. Okay. When can I get my big boy pants? You want them now? Yeah. Got him a pair of underwear, put them on. That was it. That was easy. What happened? He was following his brothers. You see the correlation in the church? Folks, we need to pray. We learn by doing. We quiet ourselves to pray. We pick a time and place to make sure we pray. You might want to write it down. My wife has mountains of books she's written while praying. I have none. We see someone as God sees them instead of the detestable way that I see them. We pray for blessings. We pray for healing. We pray for forgiveness. And we never, never, never cease as we pray. Amen. Hey, thanks for joining us for this week's episode. It's our passion to know and share God's heart, and we're honored to have done that with you. Be sure to catch our latest sermons right here. And if you'd like to visit us in person, go to our website at www.columbiaview.org for directions.